The Rebbe starts off the Sikha by saying that my father-in-law, that is the Friedrich Rebbe related, that in Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach of the year Tafkof Lamed Gimel, this was the last Shabbos in the lifetime of the Mizricher Magid in this physical world. So as he was lying in bed, in the presence of the Chevraye Kadisha, the Holy Society, the Holy Talmudim of the Magid, the Mizricher Magid said on the Pasuk, Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim, Yaakov sent Malochim, Rashi explained Malochim Mamish. Said the Mizricher Magid, that the Mamish of the Malochim, the actuality of the Malochim, in other words, that more tangible, lowlier part of the Malachim, that's what Yaakov sent to Esau. However, the Ruchnius restayed, stayed, remained with Yaakov, stayed with Yaakov. So the Rebbe asks, we need to understand, the fact that Yaakov sent Malachim to Esau, specifically, even though generally we shouldn't be using Malachim, why didn't he send human beings, why didn't he send people? It makes sense to say that was because that Yaakov in this mission is trying to be Mavarir, trying to elevate Esau, and therefore he's sending Malachim, who they specifically have the ability to fulfill such a shlichus, to elevate Esau. But if that's the case, why is he sending only the Mamish of the Malachim? Seemingly, it would be, what would be needed from the Malachim is mainly the Ruchni is the part of the Malachim, not the lowlier part of the Malach. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, in the actual idea, it's completely not understood. How could we separate between the mamish of the malachim, that would be like their body, and the ruchnius, which is their nefesh? And to say that the mamish, the more tangible, the more actual, the lowlier part, the body of the malach, is sent to Esau, and the ruchnius remains with Yaakov, when even in regards to people and animals, we cannot separate between the body and the soul, the body could never do anything on its own without the nefesh inside of it. The body is always toffle, it's always secondary and nullified completely to the nefesh. How much more so is the case by malachim, that their main thing is their nefesh. How does it even make sense to separate between their nefesh and to say that we're only sending the mamish, only sending the goof? Furthermore, the Rebbe says we have to understand. Simply looking at Rashi, when Rashi says that he sent Malachim Mamish, what's Rashi coming to negate? That we shouldn't think that Malachim means human beings. In other words, that the word Mamish is coming to emphasize that it was literally Malachim, not anything else. In other words, a Malach in the full capacity of what a Malach is supposed to be. That's what the word Mamish is emphasizing, that it was Mamish a Malach. Whereas, according to the Pirush of the Magid, that what did Yaakov send? Only the Mamish of the Malachim, negating the Ruchnis of the Malachim. Say here, seemingly, the word Mamish, which, which the, seemingly the Mizritcher Magid is coming to tell us what Rashi is saying. And yet, he seems to be saying exactly the opposite. That what was sent to Malachim, to Esau, was not the Malachim Mamish, in other words, the very essence of the Malach. Rather, the whole essence of the Malach, the Ruchnis, remained with Yaakov. It's only something completely secondary, the mamish that was sent to Esau, which seems to be exactly the opposite of what we would think Rashi is trying to emphasize, that he sent him the most spiritual thing. Based on all of this, the Rebbe says, we have to say that when the Magid says that Yaakov only sent the mamish or the body of the Malachim, it doesn't mean that he only sent the guf without the Ruchnius or without the Nefesh, Rather, what he means to say is that the way the Malachim were sent was in the, in the kind of way it was sent is that even when they came to Esau, even when they, when they were by Esau, 
with their body and their soul. But at the same time, they are never ever separated from Yaakov. Meaning to say, even though they are fully by Esav, technically, but it's as if it's only their body is there, only their mamish is there, but it's always felt that this is not their real place. What's their real place? It's by Yaakov. That's where their soul is. Interesting, as the Rebbe points out in the Ha'orah over here, and later on in the Sikh, it comes up again, this idea that where a person's mind is, where a person's desire is, it's, if, it's, if, it's as if he's there. In other words, the intention that Yaakov is trying to, what the Magid is trying to say is that even while the Malachim were fully, technically, by Esav, and yet their mindset, their Ruchnius, is completely by Yaakov. And when they're by Esav, that's only completely secondary to the fact that they're here only to fulfill a mission on behalf of Yaakov. Similar to the goof, which is never a metzius for itself, it's only secondary to the nefesh. Here too, it's only the mamish of the malachim, it's only the, the part of the malach, which feels itself secondary to its main task, to its ruchnius. Only that's by Esav, but he always feels that he's really by Yaakov. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand that this pirush of the Magid, not in emphasizing that that the, what the mamish means is not only not in contradiction to what Rashi was saying, but in fact it's actually clarifying what Rashi is saying. In other words, how is it possible that the malachim mamish could, according to Rashi's pirush, the literal malachim, how could they elevate Esav? How could they deal with someone that's so lowly and so gashmiistic, physical and materialistic? The only way they could deal with him is when the ruchnius of these malachim remain with Yaakov and the malach doesn't change even as he's by Esav and dealing with Esav. So in other words, the explanation of the malach, that it's only the mamish of the malachim that was sent to Esav, emphasizes even more so what Rashi is telling us, that Yaakov sent Malachim, which remains so spiritual, such Malachim Mamish, that even while they're by Esau, they never remain disattached from who they really are, which is the Malachim of Yaakov. In other words, their essence and their Ruchnius. Says the Rebbe, this saying of the Magid, and so to the Hiroi in our Avoidah, will be understood even more by first thinking about when this Torah of the Mizritcher Magid was said. Said before, this Torah that the Mizritcher Magid said, this last Shabbos before he passed away, from which we can understand that in this saying, there's like a tzavod, there's like a last will and testament, and a general hoira, in avoidus Hashem al-derech achsidus, and for all future generations. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, since from amongst the Talmidim of the Mizritcher Magid, who was there, who was the Alter Rebbe, the one that was most precious and dear to the Magid, as it's known, the Mizritcher Magid learned with the Alter Rebbe in a specific way, in an extra way, more than he learned with the other Talmidim. It's also known what the, what the Rebbe Levitzchuk of Baditchev said. He said in a figurative way of speaking, he said, we all ate from the same bowl. And the Litvak, the Lithuanian, that's where the Alter Rebbe was referred to by the Talmidia Magid, he got the choicest. In other words, we understand that there was something special about the Alter Rebbe specifically. And he was the one that was there hearing this Torah from the Mizritcher Magid. So it's understood that this Torah of the Magid that was set close to the time of his Istalkos has specifically to do to the Seder Avoid of the Alter Rebbe. In other words, the Chassidus Chabad. 
Based on the famous saying of the Mizritcher Magad that he said to the Alter Rebbe, the Yutas Kislev is our Yom Hilula, because in Yutas Kislev, Tovko Flamet Gimel, the Mizritcher Magad passed away. And in that same very day, Yutas Kislev and Tovko Flamet the Alter Rebbe went out to freedom from his arrest for which, for spreading Chsidis. When we, the word Hilula simply actually means a day of a chasen or a day of a celebration. So it's a day of the Mizritcher Magad special day and the Alter Rebbe special day. So it makes sense to say that this Torah, since the Alter Rebbe said it just before, his Yoimi Lula has a special connection to the special day, to the special Yoimi Lula, day of celebration of the Alter Rebbe, meaning to the Ge'ula of Yutis Kislev. So in order to explain this, says the Rebbe, that this day of Yutis Kislev, the Chiddush of it is, of course, the concept of Yafutsu Maynesecha Chutza, spreading Chsidus to the outside. And what's the idea of Yafutsu Maynesecha Chutza? Taking the wellsprings of Chsidis and spreading them to the furthest places. But we also know that since Yidin are connected to Torah, and Yisrael, Vairaisa, Yidin and the Torah are all one, it's understood that when there's a Chidush in the area of Torah, there's something similar happening also in the area of Yisrael. And the same thing is true regarding the special Chidush of Yutas Kislev. The Rebbe is going to explain the concept of Yafutsu Manesachachutsa, not only in regards to Chasidus, but also in regards to the Neshama of the Yid. These wellsprings that in Yutas Kislev started spreading Chutza to the outside are the wellsprings of Pnimbiyas HaToyra that is referred to as Neshmosa Doiraisa, the Neshama of Toira. That is, before Yutas Kislev, what was revealed was only that part of Torah that's called Gufa the Doiraisa, the body of Torah, the Nigla of Torah. Whereas Pnimius, the Pnimius of Torah, which is the Neshama of Torah, was more concealed. This is similar to the difference between the Guf and the Nefesh of a person, the Guf and the Neshama. The body, that is what is noticeable and revealed and recognizable. We could see it, touch it and feel it. Whereas the Neshama, not only can't we grasp it with the five physical senses, but we can't even properly grasp it with our more subtle and refined mind. With our mind, we can come to grasp or to understand that there is the Metzius, the entity, the reality of the Neshama. When we look at the effects of the Neshama on the Guf, we could see that the Guf is a living body. It helps us understand logically that there must be a Nefesh that's giving it life. However, what's the Mohus, what's the very essence of the Nefesh? This is beyond our comprehension comes Yutis Kislev, starting from the revelation of Pneumius HaToyrah, where the inner part of Torah is starting to be revealed, and we can learn it in the way of Seichel. Like, we learned the Chelek HaNigla of Torah, and even spreading it to the outside, that those things that before were beyond us, which were like hidden, like we said before, now start being more revealed in a way that we could relate it. This Chidush in Torah, that the Neshama of Torah is being revealed, Similar to this and through the Chiddush in revealing the Premier Satoira, so too is also in regards to Yidin themselves. That now the Neshama, that again, although on its own it's usually more concealed, but Chsidis comes along and helps us that this Chelek of the Neshama should also shine Begilui, that means it should even shine inside his Guf and be felt in the Guf. What does this mean? Says the Rebbe, in the way the Neshama impacts the Guf and is revealed in the Guf, there's generally two ways. One way is that the neshama is ruling over the guf, and the guf, the body, is subdued to the neshama, but it's still always felt as an entity for itself. Another way is that the neshama is so revealed inside the guf that the guf doesn't feel itself as anything for itself at all, and this is, of course, the real gilia neshama inside the guf.
And the Rebbe explains with an example. Just like in regards to our goof and our nefesh abahamis, our vital soul, the one that's giving us more, the gashmi is the galaif. We can never separate and say that there's a body for itself and it's just going to go ahead and do what the soul wants. The soul has to force it and rule over it. Rather, since the soul is, the chai is the vitality of the guf, the guf is so united and so one and so bottled to the nefesh that it's not a separate thing for itself. It's not even that the nefesh has to command the guf to listen to it, but rather automatically the body does what the soul wants. Just like this is true with the guf and the physical life force the, uh, for coming from the, from the nefesh of Bahamis Achiyunis, so too it's true in regards to the neshama by Yidin. Because Atem Kruyim Adam, Yidin are called Adam because Adam and Elion were compared to Hashem, that by a Yid, even his Gashmi, his Dikachayis, is also coming from his nefesh Shoyal Ikis. Which the whole idea of a Yiddish body is that he's a Kali to the oil of the neshama. That is, in order for Neshama to be able to fulfill the Ratzon of the Eibishter, which is clothed in the mitzvahs, like Tfilin, Tzitzis, Tzedakah, etc., the only way you could do it is through coming into the physical limbs of the person. In other words, what's the point of the guf? What's the point of the limbs? It's only in order for the Neshama to be able to fulfill its task in this world. In other words, the whole purpose of a Yid is only to be able to be a place for Hashem. Like it says, And we know that it doesn't say, that the Ebesh should dwell in it and the Migdash, but in each and every Yid. So what's the idea of a Yid? It's all to be a place for Hashem, and never as an entity for himself. A Yid is often referred to, so to speak, as if the wife of Hashem. What's an Ishak Sheira? The one who does what her husband wants. In other words, she just completely... Given over to her husband. So too we say, Masha Kansa Isha, Kansa Baila, whatever is the wife's, automatically is the husband's. That means it's not as if she has to even agree to give it over to the husband because she's going to do what he wants. But rather it's in an automatic way that the wife and all of her things are automatically the husband's. The same thing is with a Yid, that automatically the Yid is completely the Abishta's and every part of him belongs to the Abishta. And even some of that's not on that level yet to be what we call the Ishak Shaira for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, But at least they're on the level of an Eved, of a servant to the Eibishter. And we know that the concept of Avoida Seved, this is the basic first part of Avoida. And the main part of Avoida is to be like an Eved. And regarding an Eved, we also know the same idea that Masha Kona Eved, whatever an Eved acquires, automatically again belongs to the Master. And again, it's not in the way that he's just not going to rebel against his master, and therefore he's going to give it to the master. It's also not even in a way that he's agreeing that it should be like the masters or give it over to the master. But lechat whatever belongs to the Eved, automatically is the masters. Says the Rebbe, these two types of ways. In the Giliav Neshama, is the Neshama only ruling the Guf? Or do we say that the Guf is not even a Metzius for itself? but it's automatically just an extension and expressing what the Nisham is all about. This fits with the two general types of Avoidah that we know of Kol Masachi Yilashem Shamayim and Bechol Drochecho It's known that the difference between these two levels of Avoidah, as discussed a number of times, is as follows. Kol Masachi Yilashem Shamayim means that a person is involved in certain Gashmiyazdika things, and yet, when he's involved in these things, he's always remembering that he's doing it for Hashem's sake. It's only a means to serve Hashem. 
Nevertheless, the things that he's dealing with ultimately are still mundane weekday things. But in all your ways, you should know Hashem means that you're knowing Hashem in every single thing. Taking the Gashmi is the object itself, and that is helping you to know Hashem better, meaning that it's not only a means to an end, but rather these things themselves are helping you, are doing you avoid this Hashem. And what this means is, seemingly, usually we would say, how could you have Bechol In which things could you have that direct connection with Hashem? Seemingly it's going to be in things that are clearly Kedusha, like learning Torah of Hashem, doing Hashem's mitzvahs. But how can you come along and say that in a mundane area, like eating, drinking, business, you should be able to say, in that area. But we're told, no, the Hayra is That means the eating itself should also be in a way of Kedusha and a Mitzvah, not only that it's going to be a means to help you learn and daven better. So an example for that would be, when a Yid is eating Shabbos, eating by a Sudas Mitzvah, eating Karchim, a Karbon, and similar things, where they themselves are a Mitzvah. Interesting, again, just in one of the Ha'aris of air that Ebba points out, we find by Yitzchak Avinu, that his whole point of planting, of sowing, etc., was all for the purpose of giving miser. That's another example of this idea where he's involved in Gashmis, but it's only for the purpose of a mitzvah. Says that Rebbe, these two types of avoidois, kol masach yulishem shamayim, where? The Gashmis is still felt for itself, but it's a means for an end. And behold, where the Gashmis itself becomes kedusha are connected with these two levels of the neshama, how it's revealed and how it impacts the body. When the level of the neshama is only ruling over the body, but the gulf, the body is still remaining as a separate entity for itself, then the person's avoid is in a way of kalma sechel Hashem shamayim. That means these mundane things, the world matters of the body, are still all very, very real in his eyes, but they are given over and they are subdued to the one who's ruling them, which is the neshama. And therefore, the only thing he's going to do, of course, is only things l'shem shamayim. But these gashmi, these different things, still really matter. However, when the nisham is so revealed that the goof is completely bottled from being a self-entity, an identity for itself, that all the matters of the body and the world are in a way of da'eyu, just to know Hashem, because they're never felt as something for themselves. Rather, it's all to be able to know Hashem through them. Says the Rebbe, Within Bechol Drochechodo really, we can divide that further again into two levels. There's one level where although everything he's doing is in a way of Kedusha, and yet the Gashmis is still being felt to a certain extent. So for example, he's eating on Shabbos, which is of course a mitzvah, and nevertheless the mitzvah itself is telling me that I have to be enjoying Shabbos with fatty meat and old wine. That means even while I'm doing the mitzvah, I'm still feeling the Gashmis with which I am enjoying these things. And then there is even a higher level. Well, where, where all the Gashmi is the things are so bottled, are so nullified, so connected to Elikus, that the only thing that's felt inside of them is only the Kedusha, the Gashmi is not felt inside of them at all. And not only because of such a tremendous level of oil of Kedusha shining in it, since he's so involved in Da'eyu, but rather because the Gashmi is itself became completely, completely Kedusha. And here again, the Rebbe says, we can understand this, from the way the goof is bottled to the chayis of the nefesh abahamis. We know there's a famous rule, that when a person is healthy, when the body is healthy, he doesn't feel the parts of his body in any specific way. 
The moment the person starts feeling different parts of the body, that itself is a sign that there's some sort of problem. So when he's not feeling it, that's a sign that he's healthy. The moment he starts feeling it, even if it's not a pain, just he starts feeling heavy over here, heavy over there, his heart, his head, his hand, his foot, that's already a sign that something, there's some problem, whether in this particular limb or in the whole body. And the reason is because the highest of the goof, which is the highest of the, is the highest of the nefesh, and therefore, when things are the way they're supposed to be, it's not supposed to be felt as something separate. The goof is just flowing and a continuation from the nefesh itself. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true with the nefesh olikis. A healthy, it means, where his whole body, his nefesh abahamis, everything in the world are never felt as a metzias for itself, but rather only as part of the nefesh olikis. And again, to use an example from eating, that his whole feeling is only that he has to be drawing down a likus into this food. And through that, into the gashmi, is the materialistic world through his eating. Since the way we do that is by making a bracha on food, like we say, baruch atah Hashem aleikeinu melech that's the way we're drawing down a likus into the world. So that's why I'm eating a gashmi, is food. In other words, even in the food itself, the only thing that's felt is, I'm trying to bring Hashem into the world. So to when it comes to business, that even though, yes, he's involved in regular business affairs as a regular businessman, nevertheless, the whole point of it is only do'eyu. How do I get to know the Eibishter through this? Famous story says that about Rabbi Yaman Kletzker, one of the great Talmudim of the Alter Rebbe, that he dealt in lumber. And one time when he was making his accounting of all of his businesses, when he came to the bottom line, the Sachakul, what did he write? There's nothing besides Hashem. In other words, that's the sachakal, that's the bottom line of his whole business. Says the Rebbe, every single thing that Chassidus demands of each and every one of us, first and foremost, our Rabbeim paved the way for us in this Avoidah, and they showed us how to do this Avoidah. And so too in this particular case. Says the Rebbe, there's a story from the Alter Rebbe, which from the story we can understand this idea that he completely didn't feel the Gashmias, for itself at all. Rather, his whole mus, as we said, was only his nefesh kissed as the only thing that counted. And the story goes as follows. One time there was a very, very important oirach, important visitor, that because he was so great and so important, the family of the Altarebbe all decided that they're going to split up between themselves the different parts of preparing the food for this special oirach, for the special guest. And that's exactly what happened. The only thing was they forgot to, de- to decide who is going to put in the salt into the food. So when each of these people de- reminded themselves about the salt, they wanted to have this extra schuz. So each one, without telling the other, added salt. So we can understand what happened. It was now very, very salty. When the food was brought in front of the Alter Rebbe and this guest, the Alter Rebbe continued eating it regularly, but this guest took a little taste of the food and he put it aside. When the Alter Rebbe asked him, why aren't you eating? He said, it's very, very salty. The Alter Rebbe responded, when I was in Mizrich, I was, I, I was poil on myself, I already achieved on myself not to feel any taste in the food. Now, although, of course, this is a very, very great dargo, which is only shaykh to someone as great as the Alter Rebbe. But since the story was told to us, that itself was a proof that at least in certain times and in certain st- states of mind, in certain situations, we are able to, and therefore we need to, have this avoid even each and every year, even a simple person. 
Says the Rebbe, even a person that seemingly can't reach this high level, not to feel the Gashmi is because he's so connected to Elikus, and he can't feel this even in special times. However, says the Rebbe, one thing we could achieve is that we should be so, so involved in the Do'eyu, in the focus and the purpose of what we're doing, that because of this we shouldn't feel the Gashmias. And the Rebbe says, we see this clearly, when a person is in a state of tremendous feeling, emotion, excitement, then he doesn't even feel the taste of food. Bringing this all back now to Yudas Kislev, says the Rebbe, this is the idea of what Yifutsu means, within the person himself, as we know, the person himself is like a miniature, like a little world. In the words of Futsuma and Sechachutsu, we're emphasizing two ideas. Number one is that the springs themselves are coming all the way to the outside. It means not that the springs remain on the inside and they're just having an influence on the outside. But also the way the springs come to the outside is in a way of Yafutsu, that means they're being spread to the greatest extent that there isn't any place that is empty or void of these Mayones. That means if there's any space where the Mayones, where the wellsprings didn't reach, that itself proves that the spreading of it was still limited. That's not the real Yofutsu. What does this mean in Avoidus Adam? In each and every one of us, we have that Mayan, that wellspring, the Neshama, which is coming from under the Kisei HaKovid, or even higher than that, it's called Tahoirahi. This wellspring needs to be revealed even in our most Gashmi things, our bodily things, which on their own, they're like Chutzah, they're like the outside, they're outside the domain of the Neshama. This gilui of the wellspring of the neshama in our physical things has to be in a way of your futsuma and again in both aspects that we discussed. Number one is that the neshama not only is ruling over the body, but rather the maya and the wellspring itself is found inside of them. That means that the avoid is not only that the things of the body are only there to help, and to be a means to avoid, to avoid this Hashem, but even higher than that, with them, them, with the body itself, he is serving Hashem. The Nisham is inside of them. Like we said, Furthermore, that the way the Nisham spreads into the body and into all of the matters of the worldly things is in a way of Yofutsu, that means in an unlimited way, meaning to say, there is no room remaining for any feeling of the guf. There is no room remaining for anything outside of the Nisham. Because the neshama completely encompassed and completely permeated every aspect of the guf. Says the Rebbe, now to bring this all back to the Torah of the Mizri Chermagid, which we're now going to understand much better, when he said, Malachim Mamish, that he said this before Yitzh Kislev, the day of his Istalkos, and we'll also understand the connection to the day of the Geula, of the Alter Rebbe, on Yitzh Kislev, when the whole idea of Yifutsu Mayne started. The Neshama came down into this world in order to elevate the Guf and our portion in the world to make it a place for Hashem. This is similar to Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim Aleisov. In other words, Yaakov sends messengers to Esav. The idea is he's sending messengers into the world, into Esav, in order to refine it, in order to elevate it. That's like our Neshama coming down into this Guf. Just like when Yaakov sends Malochim to Esav. It was Malochim Mamish. He's sending the highest spiritual forces so to in the Neshlichas and the Neshama to elevate the Guf and the world, refining the world of, as it's referred to in Chassidus and Kabbalah, the Olam Hatoyu, that's what Esav is all about. So that's what we are doing also, we're dealing with this world. How is that going to be done when we arouse inside of ourselves our Malachim, our Ruchnius? It's only through that that we can elevate the world. 
However, says the Rebbe, since the way to deal with the world could also be in a way, as we said before, of kol ma'asechel l'shem shomayim, which means that the world and the body still remain a little bit of a metzius for themselves on their own, and then the neshama is only ruling them and only um, taking control of them, but there is still very much room and space for the guf itself. This is what the Mizritcher Magad is coming and telling us. That the purpose of the Birurim is going to be in a way that when the koiches of our neshama, again those malochim that are involved in Yorim Gashmias, like the malochim in the case of Esau, are always going to be in a way of mamish. Meaning to say that it's always being recognized that that part which is dealing with the world and the world itself is only completely secondary and nullified to the ruchnius of the neshama. That means to say that the highest levels of the neshama, the mayon of the neshama, the wellspring of the neshama in its own, which is completely on its own, removed from Gashmias, shines so much into every aspect of the person, even into the chutzah, even into the guf, and those koichas that are involved in the guf, that it's always being felt inside of them, that they're only toffle and bottle completely to the neshama, like we said before, that's what a guf is. A proper goof is completely bottled, secondary to the neshama, where it never feels itself as something else. That's what Yaakov was sending to Esau. That's what we are being told to send into the world. In other words, those koiches that we're involving with the world is going to be only in a way when it's always felt that it's completely bottled, and the focus is always on the ruchni. So the mamish, the mamish, the goof part of it is never ever felt as something for itself. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true in the idea of yifutzum and esachachutzah. In the simple sense of spreading chassidus to the whole world. The Seder, the way that Abayim set it up is that they sent shluchim to all different sorts of places to spread and to reveal the wellsprings of chassidus. And here too we have this hayra of malachim mamish. That means to say, although on the one hand it's clear that the shliach needs to do his shlichus and not only in a way that being, being yoytze but really putting his own shama into it. At the same time he has to be very careful that the chutz on the outside where he's spreading the chassidus should never cause an ima yirido chassvasholim in order to make sure that the outside never impacts him, and on the contrary, that it's going to be turned over into a wellspring of Kedusha, the way to do it is that when you're involved in Chutzah, you always have that feeling, remembering that all you're doing, it's only about the Kavana fulfilling the Ratzin of the Mishaleach. The mindset is always with the Mishaleach. And this is the Ayurah, what the Magid was telling us regarding the Shluchim in the literal sense, that only the guf, in other words, only the mamish is involved in the shlichus with the chutzah with the esav. But the ruchnius is always remaining connected to the mishaleach to Yaakov. That means one needs to have completely set in his mind, even as he's dealing with the outside and spreading chassidus and spreading Yiddishkeit, that when he's doing this involvement of the shlichus, it's only because that's what the mishaleach wants, never getting involved, getting carried away by the guf, by the gashmius part of it. Just like the guf, the mamish part, which we always remember is only really completely bottled to the ruchnius and the neshama. And then the ruchnius remains by the mishaleach. As we know what the Baal Shem Tov said, that where your mindset is and where your rotsin is, that's where you're going to be. So as the Rebbe fulfilling this ayro, in refining the chutzah esav in a way of malochim mamish, that itself gives us the koyach to fulfill the shlichas, that soif kol sov, the chutzah, all the outside will be changed over into ma'yonois, until we'll be zoicha through this to the promise of a'olom eshiim ba'artzi and lishpetas ha'reisov, that in the whole world, even in the chutzah, that part that shayach to Esav, there will be v'hoysel Hashem hamlucha, that Hashem will rule forever and ever.